0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening Whenever you are listening to this podcast My name is Sydney Hunt Welcome to the Dirty South Soccer Podcast Network We are at DirtySouthSoccer.com Your home for Atlanta United News, Analysis, and Opinion But today we are talking about the World Cup The World Cup starting On November 20th in Qatar And for the first time since 2014 The United States are in it Plenty to talk about Plenty to dive in surrounding the tournament, so I invited Tyler Pilgrim, you know him from our Twitter spaces that we do with myself, Tyler, and Tommy Moose after every Lady United match, and really whenever Lady United news breaks, you can follow him at ATL Pilgrim on Twitter, but Tyler is hanging out with me today to talk about the World Cup, different storylines, and of course, the United States Men's National Team, and their prospects as they try to navigate their first World Cup since twenty fourteen. Tyler, how's it going today?
1: Doing well. How you doing?
0: I am doing fantastic. I, I'm ready for this tournament to start. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean World Cup's usually in summer and all of that, but for obvious reasons, FIFA decided to move this one to November and December. I saw Arlo White tweet this out. That kind of feels weird to have a World Cup in November and December, but I mean, here we are, and we're right up against it.
1: Yeah, and, you know, it, it just seems so long ago. Like, the wintertime thing is definitely, I mean, I don't know, maybe a little jarring because of the, the traditional summertime, you know, schedule. But yep. it's just after having COVID and everything, it just seems like a lifetime ago at this point. Yeah, it, does. Like, it seems, seems so long ago. <laughs> so I'm just ready for it. I know there's all kinds of, you know, things behind the – the venues and all that but at the end right. of the day like i'm just excited to finally watch a world cup again
0: i'm excited to see the united states finally win the world cup yeah I mean, my goodness a real lifetime ago 20, 2014 <laughs> do you remember what you were doing in
1: 2014 uh yeah i've lived an entirely different life since 2014
0: <laughs> I've so much since 2014 it's kind of crazy i wasn't even in atlanta in 2014 i was living in charlotte north carolina Or actually, no, I was living in Charleston, South Carolina, and I remember at work we had the World Cup pulled up on TV. It's hard to believe that was eight years ago. I mean, good Lord.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and then 2018, I remember trying to catch games at at kind of like a local bar that we have and cheering on Croatia as they kind of made their little Cinderella run.
0: You have some Croatian background or...
1: Uh well actually I have a really good friend. Um him and his his dad. Well, obviously him and his dad, their family. Um, but they were they were uh they have a lot of Croatian blood. And so at the beginning of the tournament, they were like, Oh yeah, you know, we're just glad to be able to see him in the tournament, but yeah, we don't expect him to do much, and then you know, a couple of weeks later they're in the quarterfinals. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, not not quite the same, but um a boss I used to work for, he's from Bosnia, so not quite the same, but similar. Yeah. the same the same area of the world. yeah, yeah. we'll talk about Croatia a little later. Um they're drawn in group F with Belgium, Canada, Morocco. We'll talk about them, Luka Modric, Ivan Perisic, all those mm-hmm. guys is just a little bit. So to kind of set the table for everybody, uh we'll go through each group obviously to give our thoughts. We're going to leave group B last because that's where the United States is. And then to round it out, we're going to talk about who we think is going to come out of each group. So, just to kind of set the table. But um, yeah, Tyler, let's start from the top, my friend. Um, group A: Ecuador, the Netherlands, Qatar, and Senegal. Qatar, of course, the host. What's the expectation yeah, it, for them?
1: I think the wild card, obviously, is is the kind of home field advantage thing, right? But at the end of the day, man, I, I just I just don't I don't know if they're going to be able to compete. You've got Ecuador, which you know, say what you want to. I really think Senegal is gonna do well, but I just I just think they're gonna get outplayed by the other three teams in the group. Not sure they make it out.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, Senegal, I mean, you look at Senegal, Saudi Omani, of course, is part of that Senegal side. Right. But he's gonna be carrying an injury into the tournament and it's not even guaranteed that he'll play, right? Yeah. But um he's banged up, and that's really the worst case scenario for The Senegalese headed into the tournament. Uh, Let's talk about that. They play the Dutch first, which it's hard to see them winning. Uh, They play Qatar, that could be a win, but then they play Ecuador. So at best, I'd say three points for the Senegalese in this tournament. And that's even with the prospect of Sadio Mane being in the roster for all of the matches, which it doesn't look like that would be the case. But I mean, yeah, the Dutch, I mean, you look at the Dutch, Memphis, um, Virgil van Dijk. Deligt, yep. Frankie DeYong, Jong, uh, Bergheis. This is a really yeah, a really strong group. Obviously the strongest group or the strongest team in this group. I mean, it, it's really difficult to see them coming out or not coming out of group A and make it at least to the group stage. I don't know if they'll be the ones winning the tournament. And we'll we'll talk about um who our picks are Pixar to win a little bit later on, but I don't see them winning the tournament, but if they don't make it out of Group A, I would say that you know something's seriously wrong.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and then they I kind of feel like they could sneak a little further than maybe some other teams could do, and I, I say that yeah. consciously because I mean, it, again, you, I mean, you said it. The Netherlands has talent; they have plenty of talent, and then, but if we're just talking about the group stage, going back to Qatar, Qatar playing the Netherlands, uh, that's. I just don't know that they have the attacking firepower to, to to really be able to do anything against any of these teams. And this is no no hit on on Senegal, but I mean right. Senegal can come out and and you know outscore anybody, especially if you got Sadio Mane playing. The Netherlands has uh, a fairly stout defense, but I, there's just not a ton of star talent that Qatar has, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, this it's the World Cup. Any player at any time could make a run and do something absolutely amazing. But as a sure. team, I just don't know that Qatar is is. I just don't. I mean, I, admittedly, not on the same level as as the other three.
0: No, not at all. Not at all. Um Yeah, it, it's really <laughs> the fall of the realm. I mean, yeah, just just the strength of the group, relatively speaking. Of course, the Dutch, the Ecuador side. Uh, we haven't talked about Ecuador yet, Um, but Ecuador, I would say, yeah, I mean. They have to come out of this group as well. One of the names yeah. a couple of the names that jump out at me. Um Alan Franco, not that Alan Franco, but <laughs> <laughs> I believe this is Alan Franco from um, Charlotte FC, if I'm not mistaken, unless there's another Alan Franco that I'm not uh, don't know Yeah, about. I
1: think I think it's him. I think it's him. And then, and then of course you got was this
0: Casado? Okay, Casedo, the Fuentes. So Yeah, I mean uh Ariega, of course. But if if you look at this Team, it oh admit, I don't know too much about the Ecuadorian team. saw the names that I just mentioned, those are the names that jump out to me. But yeah. still, it's tough to see them not coming out of Group A at least. I don't know how far they'll get in the knockout stage, but it's a fairly certain bet to see Netherlands and Ecuador coming out of Group A, which is intriguing because the winner of Group A takes out the runner up of Group B. Which I mean could be the United States, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But under any circumstances, it should be the Dutch and the Ecuadorians coming out of that group, right?
1: Yeah, I would. I would think. I mean, common sense would say that. I just there's something about Senegal that I just I think. Um, I don't know. I, I just I like them. It, I like the way they play. There's uh, always I, that,
0: I, There's always that sleeper team, right? I mean, it feels yeah. like. That comes out of Africa. I mean, Ghana was one.
1: Yeah, um, you've had a, you've had a, over the years, you've had a few, and 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 the way that Senegal is playing up until now, um, they've done a really great job. And I mean, it, and even going back into uh, some of the tur- the previous tournaments, and then again the qualifiers and all, it was, it, it's kind of funny because we don't mention this a lot, but some of the environments that some of the African teams play in are like underrated, very hostile. So Mm -hmm. to, you know, we always talk about the pressure. I mean, you're on the biggest stage in the entire world in sports period. And to to think that that's not a factor is, I mean, you're fooling yourself. So Senegal is no stranger to it, you know? So I think maybe, maybe that can play a factor in, but yeah, I mean, conventional wisdom would definitely say Ecuador and the Netherlands, I think. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, Senegal, I don't know. There's something I like about them.
0: Yeah, to kind of set the table um, for what the knockout stage would look like for the teams that cut out of Group A. I already mentioned the winner of the group takes on the runner-up in Group B. And we'll talk about Group B later on because that's, of course, where the United States is. The runner-up in Group A takes on the (laughs) runner-up or the winner. Yeah, the runner-up of Group A takes on the winner of group B. Yeah. Which I, I feel like whoever comes out of that group is going to have a little bit of a tough time in the knockout stage. I mean, depending on how the chips fall, I mean, that could be England winning that group. That could be, I would say the United States, if they win, I don't know if they win the group, but if they are a runner up, I mean, there's a chance that you have to take kind of the it and I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But again, wonder if Group A takes on the runner-up of Group B, the runner-up of Group A takes on the winner of Group B, and we'll talk about Group B, like I said, later on. Um, let's get to Group C, and right. Group C is probably somewhat of the group of death.
1: I was gonna say, I think <laughs> if you're gonna call one the group of death, meant to me, that's the one, like. I mean, you obviously have Argentina, um, Mm -hmm. but the fact that you've got Tata Martino and Mexico and then the history between him and Argentina, obviously, and like, it's just such, it's a really cool plot and a really cool story, but at the end of the day, granted, Mexico has not been playing great, Mm. but they're still, I mean, they have, they have one of the best coaches in the world, but then of course you bring in Argentina and you have got so much talent, obviously. I mean, it goes without saying. Um really the only one there that I, I I think again, you always gotta pick somebody is kind of the eh team, and that's that's gotta be right. Saudi
0: Arabia. Right. Yeah, I mean unfortunately for whoever finishes third in this group, there's no their top third place finisher going on to the round of sixteen. It's straightforward, right? The yeah. top two teams in each group advance and that's it. So I think in a different world, Poland would be probably one of those top third-place finishers. Yeah. But you know, with Argentina, with Mexico, and that group, you know, let's, let's talk about all the teams. Though. I mean, Argentina, of course, Messi, De Maria, De Bala. um, So many names on this roster. Um, it, if Actually, it feels like Messi and everybody else Uh, the way Argentina have played in past years, so I think he'll be having to carry a lot of the load during this tournament, but I mean, you look at Messi the age that he's at and there's a very strong chance in fact, I feel like he said it already, but if he hasn't, there's a very strong chance that this is Lionel Messi's final World Cup Yeah, at least 35 or 36, and he's one of those players that I mean, it feels like they've been around forever. Yeah, and at the same time, you know, now their time is running out. And in fact, you no, know, he's not the only one. You know, kind of up there in age. Um, yeah, Messi's thirty-five. Demiriyas thirty-four. Alejandro Gomez. I mean, not capped too many times. Only fifteen caps. Thirty-four. But really, this team starts and ends with Messi, right? I mean, thirty-five years old, potentially his last go at a world championship, this is it for him. And I feel like they will have that chip on his shoulder and that drive to help this team get to a place that they haven't been in a while.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's interesting too, because, you know, you go back to after he left Barcelona and then went to PSG and Mm. the first season with PSG is, you know, he even admitted um, his head wasn't in the game, Mm. which is understandable. I mean, you've lived in Barcelona since you were 12 years old you've literally grown up there you've seen everything that you've been a part of that club and then you're you know you you try as hard as you can to stay because you love it so much and it just doesn't work out so then you end up you know moving your whole family to France um it's understandable your head's not the game that was last season and he's come out and, and said on a club level like he is he's where he wants to be and he feels good and that should be scary for anybody else playing in the World Cup that's not a part of the Argentine team.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, if if Messi's on, then you know, the that, that can change a game a hundred times over. Yeah. So uh but then at the same time, in that same group, again, we talk about Argentina, and Mexico because of the storyline, but Poland, you've got Lewandowski. Mm-hmm. And it, again, another one that's kind of getting up there in age, but he's another one that can absolutely flip the script on a team. And and if I had to pick as much as I actually do like the Mexico team, I would, I would say it comes down to Poland and Argentina. That's fair. Because I just, I think, I think when it comes down to especially that match between Poland and Mexico, um, you've got to figure out a way to outscore Lewandowski because he will, he will find a way Mm -hmm. he he's like, you know, obviously we're Atlantic United folks. Um, and there are so many similarities between him and prom Joseph Martinez mm-hmm. and they, they're just that type of goal scorer that can get in and make something out of nothing in the box. And you can't, you can't turn a blonde out of that. And he's playing well right now. So
0: exactly. And we talked about that Mexico Poland match. Yeah. That's going to be quite the match. I mean, really two different styles of football I mean. Yes. Tata Martina, the style he breathes, and we we're familiar with it. From Atlanta United, and then Poland, you know, that attack really revolving around Lewandowski. Uh, we already mentioned it, but... Uh, I mean, it feels like every Mexican coach goes through this, but it, you get the sense that if Mexico don't make it out of you know, the group stage, that's it for Tata Martina, no doubt. Uh, absolutely. Um, they, they just expect so much out of their coaches... And I mean, it's understandable. I mean, football is life in Mexico. Yeah, but at the same time, this is a team that, yeah, has been to so many round of sixteens, but hasn't quite made it to the promised land. Uh, they were quarterfinalists in 1986. That's yeah. as far as they've gotten. Also, in 1970, that's as far as they've gotten, but. This quote unquote round of 16 curse that they can't seem to break. You, you got to get off the run, You got to get off the group stage to make it to the round of 16. But yeah, playing against a Poland team featuring Lewandowski, playing against an Argentine side, you know, f- featuring Messi and so many other stars. I mean, you, you got to, uh, the pressure is really on them to yeah. get not just results, but wins against two. Teams that really have goals in them.
1: Yeah, and and every team, obviously, and I, I hate to pick on them, but every team in Group C that's not Saudi Arabia should be looking at the match against Saudi Arabia as three points, um, right? No, doubt. no you, you have to, and but especially Mexico because you can you can maybe as Mexico hope that you know Poland flubs somewhere, uh or I mean you can hope Argentina does it too, but it's just less likely, um, I think, but you you're really 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 pushing for that that saudi arabian team to just you, you got to walk all over them and going back to tata martino as well the thing about his style of play again we're we're very comfortable with it we know it quite well but they just don't have a goal scorer like a focal point goal scorer and that feels like that's what the team is missing um i mean you, you go back to the you know various qualifiers and other matches that that mexico's played in the past couple of years and they're not out there outscoring opponents immensely. Nope. I mean, there's games where they they weren't scoring goals at all, and you for that type of a play style that that Tata wants, you've you got to have somebody that's going to get up there and make a big difference. And it's kind of funny because we go back to you know a year ago, and everybody was looking at oh is is Pepe is Ricardo Pepe gonna is he going to go Mexico is he going to go U.S. and it really feels like Mexico could probably really, really use a guy like him right now.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know? But um it's gonna be interesting. I think Mexico, you know like you said, if if they don't make it out of the group stage, I I even think if they don't make it, you know, much further than that, then then Tata's gone. They've got to go pretty deep, I think, in this tournament for him to stay around.
0: Absolutely. And then when you look at the roster, um uh, Jimenez has 29 goals, um has has been kept ninety four times. Um uh, is Chucky Lozano, uh sixteen goals, capped fifty nine times. Uh, Guardado in that midfield, he's really up rocking midfield for them. But you know they have to get goals. Um, if they don't get goals, you are going to have to hope that Mabel Ochoa has the ability to you know, win matches for him. And. But Mabel's one of the top goalkeepers in CONCACAF, if not the top goalkeeper in CONCACAF, and we've seen him. So,
1: Yeah, he, he would be the game-changer, for yeah.
0: sure. And Mabel's 37, so this is his final goal round. you have to think. So maybe that chip will be on his shoulder to push this team to the group stage, but I mean, it, it's just tough to see it. I don't know. It's just Argentina, Paul, I feel like as a whole are much better teams. I'll take a look at the uh, the knockout stage for Group C. The winner of that takes on the runners-up of Group D, which we'll talk about right now. And the runners-up in Group B will take, as we said, the winners of Group A.
1: Yeah.
0: But, yeah, let's talk about Group D. Um, Australia, Tunisia, Denmark, and this country called France. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> um, I, I don't know that France is going to make it. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, they're decent decent side, France. <laughs>
1: has the potential to, to be the back-to-back, which would be huge. Mm-hmm. Um, By the not- way, without
0: without looking, do you know the last time there's been the back-to-back World Cup winner?
1: Uh, wouldn't it like back in the 50s?
0: No, I think it was later than that. I'm actually pulling it up right now. But it, ha- it hasn't happened in a while, is my I point. Was,
1: for some reason, thinking it was it was like Brazil back in the 50s, but I could be wrong. I am probably am wrong. <laughs> um,
0: actually, yeah, you're close. It's Brazil, 58 to 62. Okay. Oh, sweet. So that's the last time there's been a repeat winner of the World Cup. Um, of course, France are coming off when again, Russia four years ago. By the way, looking back to the last time France won the World Cup before that was in 1998, and then 2002, they're in a group with um, say, yeah, 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 Denmark, 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 Senegal, Uruguay, and France, and they lost two matches and drew once. They got yeah. one point out of the group. So <laughs> off yeah, I, f- I feel like it'll be a little different this time around. Yeah, I mean,
1: you, you've got Mbappe and and Zima, so I, I, you're, we're always talking about like each team is going to have at least, well, not every one of them, but a lot of your teams are going to have that one guy, right? That one mm-hmm. game changer. And there's a couple of them that have two, but especially France. You know, you, you get both of them on the pitch at the same time, and that is a lot of attacking power. Mm-hmm. A lot of, at least in Mbappe, you've got a lot of speed. Benzema is another one of those kind of like we were just talking about with Lewandowski and, you know, Joseph's not here, but the, the, that, that kind of similar striker that if you give them an inch of space, they're going to, they're going to make you pay. Mm -hmm. And a pairing of those two is, is very dangerous, which has been showed already, obviously. So you got to expect France takes the, takes the group. And then it's just a matter of who, (laughs) who's behind them.
0: Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see, uh, France play uh they play the runoff of group C um which could be Poland let's just say Poland for the sake of argument um I mean, a big game if it played out that way No, absolutely but then coming out of that they take on if they were to win in the round 16 they would take on the winners of either the winner of Group B or the runners up in group a so you like to think that if they make it off the round of 16, the draw sets up pretty nicely for them to make another run at it. I know there has been some doubts about if France can repeat. I mean, you know, I'm not superstitious. I don't believe in curses, but (laughs) for whatever reason, uh, a World Cup holder has hasn't won the next tournament since Brazil did it. So France, yeah, shouldn't have any trouble getting out of the group, I don't think. I mean, it certainly won't be a repeat of 2002.
1: No, man, that, I think, I mean, they're going to make a pretty deep run for sure. Because Absolutely. when you look at the, the, the talent between really, I guess, some of the, the front runners in the tournament, obviously, France is a big one, Argentina is a big one, Brazil is a big one. Um, And then there's plenty of other teams that have, you know, lots of. Very solid talent as well that could absolutely make a a deep run or even win it. Mm -hmm. But you got to think, you know, it's not like France won in 2018 and then they don't have anybody coming back from that team. I mean, there's still a a pretty steady squad from four years ago. So the chemistry's there. Um, Maybe they're not playing as dominantly as they were in 2018. But, I mean, it. it, I don't think it matters, especially in the first – the first few matches they're going to play. So right, you got Australia, Denmark, and Tunisia.
0: Yeah, and Denmark has to be the second place yeah. team of the group. By the way, it's great to see um, Christian Eriksen in the field. I mean, yeah, absolutely. After that just horrible situation in Euros last year, he's back yep. at it. It's so good to see him on the field. But and
1: especially to to make it back on the field, uh in time. Mm -hmm. for the World Cup. I mean, because it was – I think we're going on right now just over a year, I think, when that happened, right, or close to it? More than a year. Was it more than a year? And, yeah, and then when he started playing back at the club level earlier this season. So, for him to still be able to make it to the World Cup, I mean, I think it's great. You know, I don't know that you could say it's a testament to anything other than just, you know, (laughs) if you're a a religious person or whatever. Like, he's very lucky – prayers up for, for anybody that has to go through something like that because that's that's tough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And if that just sucked the life out of the ground, just for sure. But yeah, just just get to see him back. And I hope for his sake that he has a great World Cup. Yeah. I really do. Agreed. Um you look at, you know, the the squad here, Schmeichel is 36, so you maybe get the sense that you know, we talk about these older players. We get the sense that this michael's less less go at it. I mean, this team has had some success in the World Cup. They have. They were in the round of sixteen last time. Um, they're a quarter finalist in that previously mentioned nineteen ninety eight World Cup. So, they're not. They're not the best team of the tournament by any stretch of the imagination, but. Is it still a group that, you know, if they make it off the group stage as expected, I mean, they could potentially make a run. I'm pulling up the schedule right now uh, as a runner-up, though they, do, they would take on maybe Argentina. So, unfortunately, it just feels like the draw doesn't favor them. Yeah, because... they
1: in a tough situation, no matter how it plays out, I think.
0: Right. It's the fall of the road. It's just how the chips fell. But yeah, even if they get out of that group, uh, which I think they'll be second place at best because France easily is going to win that group. I mean, you yeah. got to play, like I said, Argentina. I, they're going to hope that Poland can somehow get one over in Argentina somehow get that group or get out that group on top because I think that'll be a much better matchup for them. That being said, it doesn't look like that's the case. So certainly France, Denmark, I would say one to two out uh, of that group.
1: Uh, yeah. Tandesha. The wild card w- with Australia would be their goalkeeper, <laughs> the dancing goalkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan. So, yeah. Uh, but no, I just – being being very real about it, yeah, I think France and Denmark are the two. I think – honestly, I think out of all the groups, um, that one – at least in my opinion, is probably one of the closest to to just call and say, like, I, if I were if I were a betting man, <laughs> mm. I would I would go ahead and say, Yeah, France and Denmark. But again, World Cup, anything can happen. But I just don't think, I mean, Australia barely squeaked in, and then Tunisia just again, there's just not I just don't think they're on the same level. They're at the World Cup for a reason, though. So yeah. <laughs> anything can happen, we all know, but they're they're just in a that's a tough group for uh,
0: for Australia and Tunisia. The Tunisia was in the group stage. Uh, they've never got out of the group stage, in fact. They were in it last year, or last time out. Um, yeah. They made three straight World Cups, 98-02 and 06, um, in all three years, drew once, lost twice. So, yeah, I mean, not quite a minnow, but still uh, pretty yeah. close to it. So, Yeah, probably a three and out for Tunisia, to be honest with you.
1: that's kind of how I feel. I think it's – I mean, you look at – because this is their sixth World Cup overall, um, but you're looking at a lot of their their main players and there's just nobody that really sticks out as somebody that's going to make a difference. And I admittedly haven't watched – Tunisia really play, right? Um, but their main forward has 17 goals and 85 appearances. That's Yusuf Muscani. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, not that, that's, not that those are terrible numbers, but you, you just don't have what feels like somebody that's going to make a huge difference. Now, that being said, again, I haven't watched Tunisia play. I don't know what their style of play is like, so, you know, they may come out and be a on-paper mediocre team that's coached mm-hmm. very well, may make a run. So who knows?
0: Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's Group D. And, yeah, probably very close to clear-cut France and Denmark in that order can be off Group D. Uh, we get to talk about, Tyler, a CONCACAF team in Group E, uh, Costa Rica, of course. Uh, and part of that group as well is Spain – Japan and Germany, the winner of group E will take on the runner's up of group F, which includes Belgium, Canada, Morocco, and Croatia. But yeah, let's talk about group E, Um, Spain. I mean, what can you say about them? Um, So
1: I had a little bit more, um, I think a little bit more faith in what I thought was going to happen in group E. But then I started watching Japan a little bit more mm. and to me I, I feel like they they could come out and actually give though we look at Germany and Spain as these like juggernauts typically right mm-hmm. I feel like they could give either one of those teams trouble on any given day um just because of the their I mean they I mean you saw in the U.S match they press wildly they they mm-hmm. never stop moving mm-hmm. um
0: and group of 16 team in 2016 or 2018 yeah, I mean, in, yeah. The group was uh Colombia Japan Senegal Poland but so group of 16 or round of 16 group or team in 2018. Yeah.
1: and again it's it's one of those first of all their kits are amazing by the way i don't know if you've picked yeah,
0: them i saw it's this been. on twitter
1: <laughs> um but yeah, I just again conventional wisdom would say uh, Germany and Spain. I think you know um, that's not saying Costa Rica is a bad team either. Costa Rica has has plenty of talent, but again, it just feels like they're in a group that does not favor them in any way. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know, man. There's just something about Japan that I, I kind of feel like I feel like they could go up against kind of a a struggling German side and maybe make a difference. Maybe, maybe get something out of it. Um, I just, I don't think that one's going to be the big blowout like I thought it was going to be.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is a case where maybe, it's a big maybe if we have the top third place finishers rule in effect that maybe a 13 could sneak out of this group into the round of 16 or something like that. But yeah, I just feel like, it's gonna to be tough to pick from two teams It's gonna to be tough to pick two teams out of this group. Uh, I feel like my heart definitely says Spain and Germany. I mean, you like to think that their talent is, you know, better than the Japan and Costa Rica. But then again, like he said, Tyler, that style of play that Japan favor maybe can give some give some teams a fit. I want to call real quick. Um, so at Japan squad, and it's kind of funny. They have a guy named Daniel Schmidt, and yeah. if the name doesn't sound Japanese. Just for <laughs> some background for those who have never heard of him, his mother's Japanese. He was born in the United States. His father was. I feel like he was a American serviceman or something like that, but I
1: think I, yeah, I think I do remember reading that actually.
0: Yeah, but he grew up in Japan, and. Yeah, that's kind of why he has the uh, this very anglicized name. So that kind of tickled me.
1: That is funny. And then you got, you know, with them, you got an attacking midfielder and Tafakusa Kubo, who, I mean, played for Barcelona at one point, went to Madrid. Um, I think now he's with Real Sociedad. So, I mean, he, he's he been in Spain, like, pretty much his whole career. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he trying to look at his his stats which I'm not I'm not seeing right now but I, I do remember seeing him play um maybe it was in the Olympics mm-hmm. but yeah I, I, again, it's not just him but you go back to the the style of play that Japan has right now and I mean you got you got a, a fair amount of youth you've got a lot of energy in that squad um and I just think they can disrupt. Pretty much any team they play in that group. Now you're going up against Spain that plays very disciplined. You're going up against Germany that um, maybe is not as disciplined as they have been in the past, but you, you can disrupt that as a, as a, a high pressing team. And I don't know. I just, I think, I think the possibilities there. Um, and I feel like we're leaving Costa Rica out of the conversation because <laughs> just in there, the, the weaker link there, but, I mean, Costa Rica has given some team, some good teams fits recently as well. So mm-hmm. I, I still think conventional wisdom says Spain and Germany, like you said. But I wouldn't be surprised to see, honestly, if I had to pick another two, it would be Spain and Japan. I think I think Japan has the, the potential to really screw over Germany.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a tricky group, isn't it? Yeah, a bit tricky group and. No, just going back to the Japan side, I mean it, some of these players have are have played and are playing again, maybe the higher levels of this board, um really good first second division teams. Tommy Tomiyasu, the defender, plays for Arsenal. Um yeah. Minamino plays for Monaco. Oh. Um a couple of players play in the Bundesliga to the fight the Bundesliga. Uh Kawashima plays for Strasbourg, their keeper. So they are they have some representation in a lot of the better leagues across Europe. So they're yeah. definitely no slouch. Uh, Costa Rica, I, I don't want to leave them out. I mean, we already talked about them, but I feel like we know a little bit more about them since they're in the same continent as the United States. But, they're
1: our local representatives.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> right, so... Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tricky group to get out of. Um, I don't think Costa Rica quite will be able to make it. But, yeah, it, it should be a fun group. Like I said, if that top third place finisher's role was in the Fed, you might see a third team maybe sneak out of this group. But, yeah. Yeah, we'll and
1: you know, what's interesting about Costa Rica really quick, too, is um, – I mean, again, they were another one like Australia that just squeaked in. They they had to beat New Zealand in in the playoffs. But there, 2014, they made it all the way to the quarterfinals. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's and, – and then even in the quarterfinals there, they only lost to the Netherlands on penalties. So, it's, it's not that they're – the talent's not there because you still have a, a fair amount from – 2014 that are still going to be with the squad not not a ton but you've got a I think a good mix I mean you've got plenty of veterans still you have a lot of younger talent um that again something you know playing all over the world but it just again it feels like one of those where they have a massive wall to climb against mm. the other three the group so it's gonna be a tough one some good matches there though but it, it'll be a tough one for them to get out
0: we still have F, G, and H to go as well as B. So, well, I don't want to just yeah. with these other groups kind of short shrift, but we're going to try to run through them. Um, group F, Belgium, Canada, Morocco, Croatia. We talked about a little bit earlier. Belgium, of course, one of the top teams in the world, um, always up in FIFA standings, have never really gotten over the hump that you talk so much about. The talent on this team but fortunately they haven't quite seen it translate into world cup canada great to see them and after so many years out of the world cup yeah um really strong group of youngsters in that squad playing, Croatia,
1: playing solid football as well
0: yeah really impressed with what john hardman has been able to do with this program uh, especially with the younger players yeah, this won't be the last time we see them. I mean, obviously they'll be in be in twenty twenty six automatically, but right. they have a real chance to put their stick on the ground and say, "Hey, we're not just here just to hang around." We're yeah, it feels like they're
1: really they're really building something that's going to be strong and and lasting. Um, I mean, you go back; nineteen eighty six was the last time, and it's crazy because mm-hmm. they came out and won. Uh, you know they they beat out Mexico and the U.S. the qualifiers and it's just it's impressive, but but it's it's not just like a kind of a fluky thing. They're playing really good soccer, so it, it's it's fun to watch. Um, obviously, as a U.S. fan, it's a little frustrating at times,
0: <laughs>
1: but uh, you know it, it is good to see them, You know because that's that's a long time to not be in the cup.
0: Yep, the group unfortunately for them outside Morocco is pretty stacked. I'm Belgium. Yeah. You expect them to gather. Grip stage easily. Croatia, you would expect them to get out of the group stage fairly easily. Morocco's just kind of that maybe that minnow team of the group that maybe just three and out. I said this earlier, but maybe this is kind of a group where a third-place finisher would be able to sneak out. Maybe like a Canada or something like that. I feel like Belgium-Croatia will be one or two out of the group. I mean, can Canada handle the heat? Of playing uh, a Belgium side that is full of talent. I mean, Courtois, Goal, uh, Lukaku, Hazard, De Bruyne, Vertongen. Yeah.
1: and then you're looking at Croatia. Obviously, you got Modric, and um, I mean, he's going to be the one that everybody looks to. But yeah, I, I mean, Morocco is definitely going to be the, like you said, the minnow of the group for sure. But I think if like they, the Canada Croatia match is like. That's like a must-watch, I think, because you've you've got a side that's playing really good team soccer overall, and then you've got Croatia who, you know, if they can just carry over part of what they did in twenty eighteen, they're going to be doing well. But you've got Modric who who can like I, I would love to have a guy like that playing for Atlanta United, you know, just to be able to have that kind of midfield locked down the way he does. Yeah, I mean, Belgium for sure. I think you you got to look at Belgium and say, yeah, they're they're for sure going through. And I'm, I I don't want to call it, call it and say that Canada beats Croatia, hmm. but I think they've got a chance.
0: Yeah, if they do, it's going to be really tough to see them not get out of the group because they'll take on Morocco, Morocco, the final match with that group, and that's that should be three points for them. So yeah. if they're able to upset Croatia, I mean, they'll they'll be through for sure. Yeah, um, group. G, Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon, Brazil, pro- probably I feel like they're always one of the favorites to win the World Cup, but <laughs> it hasn't happened for them
1: Yeah,
0: a little bit. I mean, it's this yeah, year. It's yeah, it's this year for them. Uh, Neymar is saying this probably is his final World Cup. Yeah. But just the talent of this team. Suggest that the other teams in this group, outside of maybe the Swiss, are going to be really no match for them. There's a lot of reasons to feel like Brazil is going to win the World Cup. I feel like they have the talent, they have the ability, they have the skill. They haven't done it in 20 years. It's this final of the year that you know they bring it back home.
1: Yeah, and I mean with with what the, first of all they've got, and and I'm not trying to knock on any of the teams in group G, but they've got what on paper seems like a cakewalk, you know, in in the group, like they should have no issues walking out of the group and, and not having to worry about anything. I say that, you know, with caution, obviously, (laughs) but you've got so much talent on that team it would be an amazing thing to see like an Argentina Brazil final i think it'd be the coolest thing in the world just because mm-hmm. of the you know the history and the the culture and everything about that kind of rivalry right um it would be an intense match but that's obviously way in the future if, if it even gets to that point but just looking at the at the group itself i mean you've got Serbia Switzerland Cameroon I, i'm like you i think the swiss would probably be the the maybe the second favorite, mm-hmm. but to me, there's just not one of those other three that really stand out. I got I to gotta be biased a little bit and give Serbia some props because they got my boy Mitrovic who plays for my son's favorite team over in the Premier League in Fulham, so nice. <laughs> uh, keeping an eye on him. But, uh yeah, I mean, I'm actually kind of interested in Group G in the sense that, like, Brazil, you got to imagine they're going to kind of run all over. The group, But but the matches between the other three, they have the potential to be really good matches in the sense that they are just going to come down to what should be either really good and really fun football to watch or really boring football to watch. <laughs> it can kind of go either way because you just don't have, you know, your Messi's and your Neymar's and your Ronaldo's and you don't have that mm-hmm. in the rest of Group G. And so you have the potential to just watch some fun soccer and you know, if, if you don't really have one of those teams that you enjoy a lot, Group G is the one that just kind of jump into and be like, oh, man, I could I'm gonna sit here and, and catch a game today, and it, it should be pretty entertaining. You know, but I think if I had to pick somebody besides Brazil, I'm going to – again, I'm going to be biased. I'm going to go
0: with Serbia. Mm. i like about make a, make a cool little run out of the group. Yeah, we'll see how that shakes out. Group H, Ghana, Portugal, South Korea, Uruguay. I mean – Probably no question. Portugal, Uruguay coming out of that group. Right. I would think so,
1: yeah. I mean, I don't know, though. Portugal right now, it seems like their entire camp is just (laughs) at
0: shambles. Ronaldo Um, went scorched earth, uh, United.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, you got to think, yeah, they're still going to because of the power that they've got, um, the talent they've got everywhere. But, you, I mean, I don't know that you can count out Korea, though.
0: Yeah, some. Um,
1: yeah, I, and especially that he's now. I haven't checked recently. I don't know what his his recent injury issue was, but I I know he came back and turned back into the the song that we you know know and love. I guess or the Tottenham fans know and love. Um, but yeah, I mean. Portugal for sure, I think. Unless again, unless they burn the entire camp down, (laughs) (laughs) nobody makes it out. But um, Uruguay is is definitely. You know, you you look back at the famous um, match against who was it, Ghana, when um, was it Suarez that that had a handball at the very last second in. In the box, got a red card. Got sent off. gave gave Ghana. I think it was Ghana, hmm. um, the penalty, and then they he he skied the penalty off the bar. <laughs> um, that's what moved them on. I think that was Uruguay. Um, but no, I mean, you're again. That's another one that's got a got a player that this may be his last. You know, so I just think. There you've got um I'm trying to look at, at some of the other, other talent. I mean, of course, the one that we're always gonna look at. You got first of all, you got Edinson Cavani, mm-hmm. is gonna be a big one. You got Darwin Nunez, which is another big one. And then of course you got Suarez, who I really hope he just decides to come to Atlanta after it's all said and done.
0: Yeah.
1: But uh, but yeah. no, I mean
0: let's hope Uruguay can really sink their teeth into this competition that that coming up. Yeah. I mean, with Suarez and all that
1: there's nobody really there that they can't beat I feel I mean Portugal again is always going to be difficult because you've got Ronaldo but again I mean <laughs> I don't know what the morale looks like on that, that squad uh, but again Korea you got Son mm. and then Ghana I mean you can call them a kind of like a, we can call them the minnow team of the group maybe but That's another team that's that's been playing overall as a team has been playing very well over the past couple of years. So I don't know. Group H is
0: interesting to me. You missed my uh, Suarez joke, by the way. Oh, I did. I'm sorry. (laughs) I missed it. Do it again. (laughs) Uh, I said Uruguay. Let's see if they can sink their teeth into competition. Oh my
1: God, dude! I missed that totally. How did I I I miss nothing in there? Look, I'm so glad I made you repeat it now so everybody can hear once again. (laughs) Hey,
0: There we go. Exactly. (laughs) All right, so that leaves us with just one group to talk about that is, of course, Group B, the group that the United States are in. And let's start with them. I want to spend a little time to talk about them. Watching through them throughout the qualifiers and they got in, which is absolutely fantastic after missing out on 2018. Yep. I like to think that this is a group or this is a squad that can all of a sudden come out and look a lot different than the, cl- the group that I don't want to say barely qualified, but there are times where They didn't cover themselves in glory. The finishing was off. The attacking was toothless. I mean, there's this huge debate about who would be the striker for this side. I'd like to think that they can just step up and rise to the occasion and start off with a bang against Wales on the 21st. They're really going to have to because they play England on the 25th. In yeah. England, I feel like is probably going to win this group, so they really have no margin for error you know, coming out of the gates. In mean, Wales, is a team that, even though they haven't been in the tournament forever, I mean, it's still a team that is plenty talented with guys like Bale and Ramsey. Yeah, and they're not just there to sightsee; I mean, they're there to kind of turn some heads and I guess again that just worries me is this attack potent enough or has Greg Burhalter brought in the group that can erase those issues that they had attacking and finishing in the poor form defensively and get themselves to the knockout stage because this is a very talented young group on paper yeah but they just have to show it
1: so and it's interesting to me looking for it, obviously you know biased us is the team that you know we're going to be cheering for but if you're outside looking in this is actually a very interesting group because you've got the welsh they're going to have a chip on their shoulder right they're going to they're going to come to play and they're going to want to do exactly what you just said about the us which is start this tournament off right. I think if, if if Wales can come and get a result, not just a win, but a result against USA, yep. Then that that gives them a huge confidence boost. Yep. The, the you know vice versa is US has to come and they've got to they've got to win, I think against Wales starting mm-hmm. off. You want to go ahead and boost yourself up because then what is it 4 days later you're playing England and mm-hmm. Now, granted, England has had its issues of late, which may play into the US team's favor. But, you know, I think everybody looks back at the most recent couple of matches back in September, uh, when the US played Japan and Saudi Arabia and didn't score. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously it's easy to turn and and start, you know, throwing up a whole bunch of red flags. And certainly there are red flags, I think, with the way the team is is being run right now, but at the end of the day, they did make it to the World Cup. You do have plenty of talent, like you, you said, you have plenty of talent on that team. It's you know the youngest squad of the of the entire tournament. Um, I I I just I have not not just high hopes. Obviously, we all have hopes. We want the U.S. to win it, right? But like, I think they make it out of the group stage i think they make it i mean i don't i don't imagine that they're going to win just if i'm being you know I'm, i'm looking at it kind of unbiased as much as i can right they're setting themselves like we were talking about canada earlier with what seems like a squad that has now set themselves up for the future and it feels like the u.s has done that with a lot of the a lot of the talent they now have right um but if you're looking strategically at the way that the U S needs to handle it, yes, they have to come out. They have to beat Wales. They have to get a result against England. Um, and then if you're any team in group B again, you have to, you have to win against Iran. Yeah. That's the team
0: Absolutely. that you have, to, you have to get points off of them. So it's a, a three team group essentially.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's funny though, you know, because we, we look back at the, the most recent match that the men's national team played, which was against Saudi Arabia. And that's another mm. You look in their group. And you're like, Oh yeah, that, that's the the weakling of the group. I mean, you got Argentina, Mexico, Poland, and then Saudi Arabia, but the U S should have been able to handle Saudi Arabia with no issues. Right. Um, But there's a lot to be said with these matches going into the world cup, like these last matches, of course you want to spend that time and really, really settle in the way that you want to play. But there's also, I think something to be said about not maybe maybe not overplaying your hand Mm -hmm. that close to the tournament you know obviously not wanting to risk injury now granted they're not going to worry too much about injuries when you're playing two matches but as opposed to then the players going back to their respective clubs and potentially getting injured which seems to be happening left and right with other you know other countries but uh i don't know i just I really think the entire World Cup for the for the men's national team is going to be defined by these first two matches. But especially the one against Wales, like you have to win that one.
0: I tweeted this out a few days before we recorded this. This is on a a Tuesday night that we're recording this. It was right after the rosters were revealed. I'm at S.H.Rice on Twitter, by the way. Uh, Little plug. Um, (laughs) I I tweeted out that I'm not personally on the fireball bandwagon, but that the proof will be in the pudding when these matches start, right? Whether it's Berhalter's system or you know the form of the players, the United States have been less than convincing, Tyler. We already, we already talked about that, even the qualifiers. And we can agree, disagree about whether or not he brought the right players, whether or not he should have brought in Ricardo Pepe or not, whether he should have brought in Zach Steffen or not. If, if the U.S. don't at least get off the group stage, then I think he do need to start talking about a change at the top. But at the same time, whether it's form, whether it's for Halter's system, it's his job as the coach of this program to get the most out of the group that he is bringing. And that's especially the case with such a young group, such a talented group. I mean, my goodness, Dest, um, Robinson, McKinney, Ferreira, Reina, so much young talent. Musa, so much young talent on this roster that he needs to find a way to unlock and get them playing and get them on the same page and get them to kind of erase those memories of those rather unconvincing performances and friendlies and even at times throughout the qualifiers, if they go on this kind of a dream run, just for the sake of the argument, to a quarterfinals, that Berhalter's a genius, right? But I feel like some of this criticism criticism of him is based on pre-existing biases but again once the tournament starts in a few days again like i said the proof will be really in the pudding
1: yeah the (laughs) that first match against wales the the i don't know the two or three hours after Twitter is either going to be a really, really, <laughs> really, really, really toxic place to be. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and then you know, looking at the men's national team as a whole, I mean, you're going to look at Pulisic. That's he's going to be the guy that everybody is always going to look at. You know, but I mean, I think if there's there's one, because Dest is is a big one, McKinney's a big one. There's one really I think that actually could maybe be a player that gets. Put in certain matches and can make a big difference. It would be Giarena. I think. I think the kid just has something that U.S. soccer hasn't really seen a lot of. I think he's got a little bit of a flair. Love
0: watching him play.
1: Yeah, he's such an enjoyable one to watch. He's so fun to watch, and you just don't see that a lot. Um, Not that it's a bad thing. That you know, I mean, it's a different culture. That's what's so fun about this tournament, you get to see the different cultures of, of football player around the world, but Gio Reyna is kind of the one that maybe doesn't quite like at, on paper fit in the way that he plays, but he can make such a big difference. Everybody always goes back to that, the run that he had against Mexico. <laughs> um, oh, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful to watch. And I'm not oh, saying he's going not want to do that in every match, but I just think he's one that's kind of like a, a wild card that you could throw on in the, you know, 60th minute or so and give him a half hour to to just change the game around a little bit, you know? Um, So to me, he's, he's the one that I'm like, I, I, I'm excited about like watching him and seeing what he's going to do, because he's also going to be one of the ones that's a future of the, of the men's national team anyway, because he's so young. So all of these guys are really, there's there's so many youngsters in this one, but um, I don't know. I just like the way he plays. I'm excited to see him.
0: Who is the uh, number one striker? Do you think, Ferreira, um, Sergeant?
1: uh I mean, I I think I've got to I've got to say Ferreira. Yeah, me too. Um, but it's just such a hard. I mean, and maybe that's you know the decision that uh Berhalter had to make with picking like who's going to be up front, but you you gotta you gotta look at the decision to leave Pepe out and it's like, dang man, you know, of course he had the he had the amazing year and then he had a, a dead year and then he's starting to come back and just score like crazy again. But I do understand because you know you 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 want someone who has been at least somewhat consistent over the past couple of years. Right. And I'm not saying any of them have been super consistent, but Pepe definitely was not, you know, he he wasn't taking advantage of of the time that he did have for a significant amount of time. So you can't just at the last second start, you know, balling out and then expect to get put back on the roster. But at the same time, that's going to be the first argument if Ferreira doesn't go out there and and really help out this team. You know, I I mean, I can already see it now. That's going to be the biggest issue is everybody's going to be so frustrated. (laughs) They're going to be like, oh, Pepe, he should have been in there. And, you know, hopefully it doesn't happen. <laughs> I'm just preparing myself for it now. I think, so. I, I think, yeah, I would like to see Ferrer do well. I think, I think out of the two, out of, you know, the two you mentioned, I think he's got the, uh, I don't want to say the highest ceiling, but I think he's got the most potential in this tournament to make a difference as far as that position.
0: So how are you, how are you feeling overall about the U.S.? Optimistic, pessimistic? You like wait and see just as we kind of wrap?
1: Um, I am not I'm not pessimistic by any means right. because I I do think everybody's going to look at the past two matches and that's going to be the most recent thing they saw so of course that's what they're going to focus on but um I think one one thing we haven't mentioned yet that we're really missing is Miles Robinson. Mm. You can you can see the big difference that. And even Burhalter came out and said it, you know, that they really really miss having him and the pairing with with Zimmerman in the back. Shout out to the, the one of the three Georgia boys, by the way, yep. Um playing for the men's national team. But, yeah, I mean, they're, they're missing miles. Um And, of course, that's another argument that's been going around is, is who is replacing him. I got to say Tim Ream, actually, because, again, another Fulham guy. And I watch a lot of Fulham because, again, my son <laughs> loves them and he loves, you know, Jedi, who's mm-hmm. – that's his favorite player, so – Watched a lot of Fulham, and Tim Ream has been doing great um, this season. I mean, he's captain in the squad. He's not your most athletic guy, but you've got him um, back there with Zimmerman, and then you've got Jedi off to the left, and you've got a midfield that should that has enough speed that I think should be able to handle um, a lot of threats and maybe cover for the maybe for the, the lack of speed that's actually in the center back position. I mean, we look, I, I guess as a comparison to maybe a lot of people that would be listening to this would be like having, you know, Michael Parkhurst for Atlanta United.
0: Right.
1: He, he'll sit there and tell you he wasn't the most athletic. He's not the tallest guy in the world, but he plays very intelligently. Right. And that's something that Tim Ream does. And so I know I kind of went off on a tangent, but to go back to your original question, um, I am very cautiously optimistic um that they make it out of the group and I would say I think a, a measure of success would be the round of 16 for such a young group.
0: Yeah, and then built from there.
1: Yeah, anything beyond that is just icing on the cake.
0: Right. So. Yeah, but like cautiously optimistic. Um, yeah, Um But again, that Will match is just so big and yeah, I think if they lose that match, it's really hard to see them coming out of the group. But, yeah, we will see what happens in really just a matter of th- days. Um, by the way, before we head out, I do need to let you all know that we will <laughs> try to be on uh, the morning <laughs> of every group stage match to do a Twitter space at Dirty South SOC, Dirty South SLC. We will definitely be on after the Wells match after the England match and then after the Iran match uh, to get your thoughts, concerns, celebrations, commiserations, again. Hopefully over lots at, of celebrations. Exactly. <laughs> over at 30 South Sock. Um, but, yeah, Tyler, it's been fun and enjoyed talking to you about the World Cup. And I know we didn't get into any predictions as to who would win because we're running kind of short on time. But, yeah, may the best team win.
1: Yeah, and uh, and go US and I guess I'll give my little quick plug. Uh, make sure you follow me as well uh on Twitter, which is at ATL Pilgrim. So yep. yeah, there's there's my quick plug and, and go US.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And then Tommy, who's also a part of our Twitter yes. space crew, that's at Let's Go Ducks ninety-six on Twitter. Again, I'm at SH Rights, S H W R I T S Christ Davis, dirty south soccer.com and dirty south soccer on Twitter at 30 SLC for more World Cup coverage. He is Tyler Pilgrim. I am Sydney Hunt. Thanks so much for listening and tuning in. And go USA!